This is part two of First Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2. Finally, therefore, my brothers, or brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how it is necessary to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Finally, that word right there divides the letter in half. Paul uses it several times that way, as if to say, now I have finished the first major part, and now come some very practical applications of what I have said. Therefore, so what does that follow from? It's really significant. So he has just said, these are the preceding verses, it's a prayer or benediction. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus. So his aim is that they might abound in love in order to be established blameless in holiness. And since that's what he's praying for, he now says, therefore, brothers, we ask and encourage. That's The reason that's so significant is because some people might say, well, if you've prayed for it, let God do it. You don't need to exhort them to do it. You don't need to urge them or ask them to do it. Well, yes, you do, because God has set it up that he answers prayer through the Word of God, through the exhortation of the apostles. Ask and encourage you. The ask would be a gentle, soft request, and then adding encourage intensifies it and and makes it more urgent. I think that's the way Paul works. He he is tender and gracious and uh, desires that people do things from the heart, and he is also a, a champion and an exhorter. In the Lord Jesus, finally, therefore, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? It means that he is not asking autonomously, on his own, independently. He is saying, I am only asking and exhorting because I, like you, am united to the Lord Jesus. I am in Christ, in the Lord Jesus, and my union with Christ is the root and the warrant of my instruction. So don't hear these instructions and these encouragements and requests as originating in me as a solitary, independent teacher. Nothing comes merely from inside me when I commend it to you. I am in union with the Lord, and I am commending these things to you because of my union with the Lord and their origin in the Lord. Finally, therefore, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord that as you received from us, 
And then in the Greek, this phrase right here, has a the in front of it, a definite article. So it would read like this, very literally. We encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us the, how it is necessary to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. In other words, it, it looks as though this how it is necessary to walk was a a body of instruction because of the the. It's treating it like a, a unit. How it is necessary to walk and please God was a unit of teaching, as it were, which is supported by this four here, isn't it? We exhort you uh, that you uh, once received from us how it is necessary to walk and please God, that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions. So that would be the how it is necessary to walk and please God. These instructions are the content of this how it is necessary to walk and please God. What is what does that mean? How it is necessary? I think that has a content and a method. The content is just right here how it is necessary, namely, by following these instructions that I gave you. For example, chapter 2, verse 12, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So here's the charge to walk, and it's defined by a manner worthy of God. So if you said, how, Paul, he would say, walk in a manner worthy of God, just like I've taught you. Or here's another example, chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. Concerning brotherly love, we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Just like he says back in verse 1, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk, as we instructed you, properly before outsiders. So if you ask, okay, how do you mean, Paul, how it is necessary to walk and to please God? He would say, well, just like I instructed you, how it is necessary to uh, comport yourselves toward outsiders in these instructions. So that's what I mean when I say there's a content to this how. It's got a body of instructions that he gave them when he was with them. But I think it also refers to the means by which these instructions are carried out, namely by faith. Because back in chapter 1, he says, we remember before our God and Father your work of faith. So all the works that they are doing in obedience to these instructions and walking in a way that pleases God originate in faith. So he taught them not just to-dos, like here's your list, but he taught them that it must come from faith or it doesn't please God. And he wants them to do that, as they are doing, more and more. 
for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So you have through the Lord Jesus, the instructions came to you, and you have him asking and urging them in the Lord Jesus that they would press on and do them more and more. We mentioned what that is. What is this? We gave you these instructions through the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Consider the parallel here in Galatians. I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that I that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm suggesting that this through here is similar to what he means here. So not only did he receive the gospel through a revelation of Jesus, so that it is not, it's not a mere man's gospel. It is divine. It is from Christ, the risen Christ. Similarly, he's saying here, look, these instructions that I gave you, they're not mine. They are through a revelation of the Lord Jesus. So when we conform our lives to the teachings of the apostles in the letters of Paul, for example, we're doing something very ultimately significant. We are following the risen Lord Jesus, not a mere man. Let me end with one last observation that I think is so important. Notice how Paul exhorts them. So he, he asks, that's kind of gentle and soft. He encourages, that's a little more urgent and intense. And then he does the same kind of thing here. We want you to walk and please God just as you are doing. Now that's meant to commend them, right? That's comfort, that's um, commendation. And then he adds, do so more and more. That's challenge and exhortation. And I'm just suggesting here that we all need um, a comforter, an encourager who sees perhaps not a very great track record, but he sees enough to commend, and he commends us and says, you're doing it, you're doing it, and I'm thankful that you're doing it. But some people just stop there. They only want to comfort. And Paul is able to put it both together. We need not only the comforters, we need champions. Challengers. We, pastors need to be, teachers need to be both encouragers and comforters and commenders, and they need to be challengers and exhorters. Come on, we can do this. Let's do more more and more. I don't think there ever comes a point in the Christian life where you say, satisfied, I'm done, I've arrived, I've got all the love and all the uh, walking in, according with, in, according, in accordance with what pleases God. I've done everything I need to do. I'm just coasting from here on out. 
Paul will never, ever let us do that. Remember what he says at the end of his life, I have finished my course. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. He ran all the way to the end. He wanted to do more and more. How can we not want to do more and more when these encouragements come in the Lord Jesus and through the Lord Jesus?